Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Narratives of Purpose. I am your host, Claire Marie Gandhi. On this podcast, I bring you inspiring individual stories of ordinary people making extraordinary social impact. My guest today is Alessandra Patti. Alessandra is an assertiveness skills and mental well-being coach. She founded Find Your Way Coaching in 2017, which is a consulting practice based in Zurich. Alessandra is also a lecturer on assertiveness skills for the future of work and self-esteem in the digital age at the University of St. Gallen. Our discussion today is about developing assertiveness skills. Alessandra shares with me the many benefits of consistently practicing assertiveness at the workplace and with family. She also explains how mental well-being is connected to assertive communication. Please take a moment to rate and review the show by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. But for now, have a listen to Alessandra's story, her passion for learning, supporting others to overcome challenges and self-care. So welcome, Alessandra, to the podcast. Hi, Claire. Thank you for having me. I hope you're doing good today and I am very excited to have you on the show. So thank you so much for, for joining me and for accepting my invitation. Great, I'm excited too. <laughs> so Alessandra, we basically met through a mutual friend of ours. And when I looked up your profile on LinkedIn, I was really amazed and impressed by your achievements. And one of them is actually that you are a lecturer at the University of St. Gallen and you lecture assertiveness skills for the future of work. So I was very, very intrigued about that. On top of that, there is a quote on that profile of yours, which says that education is the most powerful weapon you can use to change the world. It's a quote by Nelson Mandela. And you say that you 100% agree with that. Now, before we jump into education and your whole journey around that and what you have been doing in this field, I would like you to... Tell me more about your background and especially tell me why do you agree 100% with that quote? Wow, it's it's really, really because of many reasons, but I try to keep it short. You know, I'm a talker. And first of all, thank you for your words. Also, I was very impressed with your profile too, to be, to be completely honest. So I, I do believe that education is really a great tool to change things. This is why I, I quote frequently Nelson Mandela on, on, on that one. Um, I do think that learning as an element to it of the, the playfulness and probably also my passion for learning, they really help people go through, through their challenges. So learning is like a therapeutical element, if you will. So this is why I really, I really think that education is just so important. That's really great. But tell me a little bit about your background. How did you come to be passionate about communication, self-care? Because, you know, you're not only a lecturer, you're also a coach. You have your own practice and you focus on men mental health. Tell me more, you know, about where your passion for communication and self-care comes from. Yes, sure. So I, I really think it really comes from my personality. So I'm a big talker, as I said before. So I was never afraid of saying things since, uh, since a young girl. I love debates. I love anecdotes. I love storytelling. I was 
like also in the local um, school newspaper back in high school <laughs> you know when you have those those uh, like journalists club or something like this i really think it's a personality thing so when it comes to to my passion for for communication i really want to speak out and speak up that's that's part of me and um, and the self-care i think is mainly because i'm italian of the italian in me you know that taking care of 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 ourselves is something really embedded in our culture as Italian. Like if you think to be well-dressed or, or, or to feel good and not to mention also like the food, to, to eat well because the, the food is good for the soul, uh, to deserve a good meals. Something I think that my grandparents actually uh, said and my grandpa was also a, like an elegant man too. I think I, I uh, always had them as role models and this is a lot to do with my passion for for self-care and I think it's something natural because it's about self-love I really know that for 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 some culture is also not so intuitive to think about self-care as something that you that you deserve and we will talk about that I'm sure but I think it's really a habit and something about the playfulness and the being Italian that has to do with that it's really fascinating I, I really enjoy listening to that because you really bring like your own story in everything that you do and I found that quite beautiful I have to say Thank you. Looking back a little bit more on your background, I noticed that you started your career in a more corporate environment. Now you have become independent. And as I said before, you're focusing on mental health, on assertive communication and self-esteem and other topics that we'll go into detail. So what led you to transition from this corporate environment to become independent? Do you have three hours, Claire? <laughs> I'm joking. For you, I have three hours, yes. I'm joking, but yes. Well, of course, it's part of a personal story, part of professional story, and also a transition, yes. So I will tell you a little bit. It's a combination of many factors. So the entrepreneurship was always something that I was curious about. And I think it came because of the, the idea of the freedom, the freedom that comes with working for yourself, right? So you know, about 10 years ago, when I arrived in Switzerland, actually, like almost 11, my very first independent job was to teach salsa dancing. And uh, I think I, I had never told you when we met actually for the first time, because um, I'm a passionate dancer. And I really like, like all of a sudden became really curious in, in the techniques of dancing. So I was thinking, okay, the only way to go really into a technique is also to become a teacher. So I love teaching salsa here in Zurich and I did it for, uh, for a number of years, I think almost five, just as a side um, job. And uh, I love to really teach people. I love to encourage people in general. And uh, it also taught me a lot about learning styles, which I actually use now in my, in my coaching practice at the university. People learn differently. And this is really a gift to see it in the dancing, especially. But I knew that this was not the only thing that, that I wanted to do. So, so I was working in corporate uh, in the marketing department and I was teaching salsa as a hobby side job. But I knew that this was not going to be it, that I wanted to do something more. So so I actually, uh, during my working hours, I really fulfilled my, my communication skills, my, my organization skills with the marketing job. I was also in charge of organizing events because of my personality. I've always liked, you know, the, the marketing, as I told you before, a little bit the, the journalist flavor, but I was always the one at the workplace listening to others. So where when people would have a problem, they would come to me. Maybe they wanted to, to, 
to vent about something or they were afraid of something. And, and I always had an encouraging word. And at the time we had in this company where I used to work an excellent HR person and I was talking to her about, okay, maybe I could, you know, make a change. And I was then going to, to coaching a psychology school at the time. So uh, like more a continuing education kind of school for psychology and then a full uh, diploma for coaching and working at the same time. So I was really like thinking, okay, I make an internal change. So in going to the talent development direction, I was not so clear at the time. So I talk about probably the year 2000, 2013, 14. And, uh, and then something happened that made the transition a little bit more pushy. The fact that uh, uh, the company was restructuring, as they call it, even though I, don't write, I really don't like this word, but uh, so I was made redundant. So the step was kind of forced. Okay, now what do I do? Now that I feel that the transition was already in place, what do I do, right? So I really started coaching people part-time. And I was reading massive amount of information about, okay, what kind of coach uh, do I want to be? What would be the, the element uh, of my coaching practice? So at the time I had a book called The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem by Nathaniel Brandon. It's like a Bible to me. And I started really, really thinking, okay, you know, like if self-esteem really plays a role in how, you co- how we communicate and how we behave at work, then maybe I should go in that direction. So, you know, while I was still in the uh, company, we were doing uh, coaching for groups. I really like volunteered in the company to say, okay, I would like to coach actually people in customer service because they have so much work. Do they do self-care? What do they communicate, right? I was just so curious. And I really, really saw that self-esteem and the idea that you have like of yourself together with the time management and the boundaries was making really a difference. So that's a little bit when, you know, like everything from the corporate to the independent to the assertive communication and uh, the mental well-being. You asked me before about the, the, the mental well-being, right? So this was a natural consequence of what I started doing as a coach because assertive communication is very powerful. And when I started actually being more assertive myself, I thought, wow, I feel happier. I do believe there is a lot of science talking about how assertive communication helps with mental well-being. And actually there is. So it helps with addiction, with anxiety. There is just so many scientific articles, like also on how it helps people, like teenagers, developing really a stronger personality and leadership skill. Amazing. Such a great amount of knowledge you just shared right now. You just mentioned there that assertive communication is quite central. And from what I hear, this assertiveness skill set is an important theme for you in your coaching practice and also as a lecturer. So how do you address these two different contexts? Okay, because you're speaking about the same thing, but then you have two different groups that you're addressing. Yeah. So you have either individuals or companies as a coach, and then you have the students as a lecturer at the university. So how do you address these two different contexts in your approach of assertiveness skills? Yeah, so you are completely right. It's, it's basically two big groups. So first of all, there is a lot of the mental well-being and preventative aspect to it. So since assertiveness creates uh, better mental well-being, 
I decided to become a mental health first aid instructor. So mental health first aid is relatively new in Switzerland. So about the year 2019, I became an instructor for that as a natural consequence. So I thought, okay, if I also place some mental well-being element when I talk to my clients about assertiveness, this will reach their heart and make such more of an impact, right? Also in company, not to mention that was like a, like also an idea that then we, with the pandemic, with the coronavirus pandemic, became something of a help, of course, for people who are struggling a lot, right? Working from home and, and with the lack of connection and being isolated. So first of all, to start like a little bit with the companies and the individuals, so the first group, basically, for companies, it's an integral part of my mental well-being offer of programs, okay? So why? Because so if we teach people how to communicate better with each other, imagine in teams, for example, if we teach them how to use nonviolent communication and being compassionate with each other, um, people thrive. They really do thrive, even in remote settings, right? So, so imagine also uh, people and teams like establishing a healthier relationship with their jobs with their own vacation you know there are still cases in which people would feel guilty if they go on vacation for example right now they were all home they say okay where would i go if there is a pandemic or um, for example to ask for things at work in general all kinds of things so i do believe that those taboos they no longer apply so talking freely and being able to express what you want is also important uh, in any situation, right? Maybe you want to talk about your emotional distress at work and you feel it's not proper. And I want to really encourage people through assertiveness to do that. So if we start with assertiveness, as in, for example, authentic and honest and open communication, then we bring it to the next level, right? We become to be more open in general. And then we can talk about like our own feelings or mental distress and we operate a lot on prevention right so for companies it's a lot about that so I use coaching in this sense the prevention too and when we open the taboo about assertiveness then we use also the right language and we embrace self-compassion we stop being aggressive with our colleagues or we stop interrupting them right so it's the same thing with individuals for example um, teaching how not to hide yourself from so when I coach people in being assertive, I tell them to make yourself smaller also with our body language. Don't hide yourself, claim your space, both at work and in life, of course, which ultimately, so if you think it's just being honest to yourself, right? So in order to make great things, you have to have this self-knowledge and this self-honesty. It's like really, if you think, talking about the elephant in the room with yourself at your company and with everybody. And it doesn't mean to be disruptive like in a bad way. It means really, let's be open. Let's break those taboos that, that damage us, right? And it's also about time management. So imagine if a person struggle um, by juggling things or struggle saying no, then with assertiveness, I coach them into placing boundaries. So healthy boundaries. Uh, the boundaries topic, it's central for me also in burnout prevention, because if we really like manage our time and place healthy boundaries and we communicate them assertively, we can just do so much before it's too late. So this is really a lot about the first group of uh, individuals and, and companies. Regarding the university, uh, is also about leadership. So if I teach the students about what does it mean in the future of work to be better leaders, we need to talk about self-esteem and, and self-assertiveness, right? So we want in our education system people to, to thrive, 
to respect each other and also to communicate non-aggressively. So I think that people still think that you have to fake it till you make it. So um, I will fake aggressiveness so people will respect me. I do not believe this should be like this. I think it no longer applies. We, I think we need to strive for for authenticity. So not being super indirect or super direct, but actually being us and tell the truth. So um, an example, for example, is I statement. So instead of accusing somebody, okay, you are like this, or you are always late, or your idea is not good. Why don't we use the I statement, for example? So that's what I teach a lot at the university. And uh, one of my focus is also digital communication, because I really realized that all the communication that's happening at the university environment is on WhatsApp. And uh, there you cannot rely or on nonverbal clues, right? So we cannot see each other. And it's such a challenge for younger people to find the balance when, when you communicate. So this is how I place assertiveness and mental well-being in those two different groups. Wow, that's really, really impressive, I have to say. I took a few notes while you were speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And, and really, I just want to highlight a few things that came out from your answer there. Don't hide yourself, claim your space. That was really powerful. And setting healthy boundaries. And then there's a couple of other things that you said, like communicate non-aggressively and also being us and telling the truth. I mean, these are simple things. And just like many simple things, the most simple things are the most e effective. And I think that's why these are really powerful. I am not a student of yours, I'm not a coachy, but I did benefit from, from this short session. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here and I'm happy to be able really to tell everybody also, you know, those things, it's true, they're simple and, and they're very effective. I totally agree with you, but sometimes they are not easy because we're so used to do other, to have another attitude, right? So sometimes, even if they sound simple, they might be hard. And this when also coaching comes to place, it could be a great, you know, way to to learn those things. Absolutely agree. And maybe I can pick your brains here because you just say something that is quite common, you know, we say that we're not used to do that. And for me, the way I think and the way I see things, it's all education, but education at a much earlier age. So do you think that everything you just mentioned before talking about students and people who are already in the workplace, but these are certainly things that you can teach children, right? What do you think? I totally agree. I do believe that if we were to teach, of course, the importance of honesty and the importance of authenticity at an earlier age, we would have also different leaders and very authentic leaders. So like, again, I am not an expert in very early education. So I do not know if this is something currently done, but I do believe that in general, uh, schools all over the world could teach self-esteem and could teach authentic or non-violent communication should be like in the basic curriculum. I do strongly believe that. And there's something else that I also saw recently is that you launched the virtual assertiveness school. So I'd like to know what is that all about and what goal are you trying to achieve with this school? All right. So thank you for, for the question, because it's really just, just uh, coming out and uh, it will start on the 26th of April. So uh, basically, it's a lot of what I just told you about, uh, like all the aspects of assertiveness, the boundaries, the time management, the communication 
and the self-care and self-love, but all in one, right? Um, so I really created an educational platform there with, with coaching as the main live sessions. So, so imagine you would have a school in which you would go six times because it's six weeks to receive coaching groups. And I think I, I heard a little bit the needs of my clients there because so, some people were like, yes, I, I do like the commitment on of individual coaching, but sometimes I would love to be in a group, especially now that we are a little bit more isolated. So I said, okay, I could create a space on an online um, group situation when, when people can share and they can be coached in, in, in groups and work on their assertiveness in a safe space. So it's really like the focus on the group and on specific exercise about assertiveness. So each week is a different one. And another goal, of course, is, is really to, to make people learn how to stop their inner critic when this becomes too much, because this is something that hinders uh, assertiveness. If you continue uh, talking yourself on a negative way, it's going to be very hard to be assertive with others, right? So let people really talk to themselves in a compassionate way to have really a positive narrative, yes? Like a narrative of purpose, like the title of your, of your podcast really like inspires me. Having really a narrative with oneself, which is more compassionate. Since, as we were talking about like at the beginning, I believe a lot in the power of education and I want to spread it more. I thought, okay, I call it assertiveness schools, right? So then you know that you come in an environment that is, there is like a school but it has a lot of coaching elements rather than workshops. It's really like self-learning, if you will. Also during these this coaching sessions, I will explain a lot the neuroscience, the neuroscience of assertiveness through uh, like articles of, of uh, people who are regarded in the, in the mental health uh, industry. So then I can bring a little bit of like evidence of really the strong benefits of assertiveness that I also saw with my clients. And it's a type also of coaching that encourage people to do what we said before, not to, you don't have to live up to standards that are set for you. You can choose also to speak differently, to say things in a different way and make a change, right? And uh, one of my exercises is called also the family table <laughs> because I have really, after so many hours with clients, um, I really understood that it's quite hard to be assertive in two places, especially one is a workplace and the other one is sometimes with the family. So uh, how to be assertive with my family? How do I say no to, to the people that are the most important to me? Right. So I created a, an exercise called family table when I uh, make people really kind of role playing a possible family confrontation. And really, believe me, it's a game changer because once you change, you become more assertive in one area, it really goes dramatically into the other areas. So we benefit from, from all areas, if you will. Okay, I see. So the school is basically a platform where you can learn and be coached in groups, right? And bouncing back on something that you just said right there, in terms of developing assertiveness skills... Um, it's certainly something important at the individual level in the workplace. So the question to you is, do you see this taking more and more a central role? And what trends are there ongoing in this space? You mentioned earlier that you have been working in this area for very short time, so quite recently, especially in Switzerland. But in other countries, um, what is happening? Can you give me a sense of, is there 
specific trends happening in other places in the world, for example? Sure. So I I do see a trend of uh, great interest for nonviolent communication skills, assertive communication skill in teams, and very much tied to the mental well-being. I think that's the trend that I'm seeing right now. And I was starting to see that even before the pandemic, I think that the pandemic made it just more obvious that there is a need there to always have a a well-being structure in place that has to do with many aspects, self-care, but also communication. How we communicate can be really a game changer or can be a game stopper. So people can really suffer from lack of communication. So I think that sometimes we, so if we only talk about communication in companies, then it may sound like something already seen. Okay, this is another communication workshop and I want to really avoid that. So I want to really focus, and that's the trend I see, on the benefits of assertiveness in really like professional and personal well-being. And I do think that like another trend that I see a lot is a great focus on, on prevention. So on mental illness, pre- on mental distress or mental illness prevention. So in which sense, for example, now we are working remotely and, uh, and people were thinking, okay, if I work remotely and work from home, there is no risk of me feeling the stress of me burning out, but actually it's not like that. Right. So uh, you can have a remote work burnout because of, possible lack of boundaries or because we put pressure on ourselves. And I see a trend actually of great interest in remote burnout prevention, in what can we do actually to be together even remotely, because this is here to stay. I think that the flexibility at work is something that is just makes such a difference on our mental well-being. And uh, how to be assertive remotely is, is really like a challenge. Because again, there is maybe no body language, but there is also like a little bit of more distance, like amongst the individuals. So this is why in, uh, in all my remote coaching sessions on assertiveness, I always say, okay, let's do a little bit of body language, even if it's on camera. So I put myself a little bit more distant from the camera so they can see at least my torso and my arms. And I tell them, okay, uh, open communication body language, you know, to be more assertive looking to the camera, turn on your camera, right? You want to have that connection to, to people. So, and I also think that another trend to really finish up is to try to work on the courage of speaking up and not fear of speaking up. Sometimes we have all these assumptions. If I speak up about my, my situation at home, I'm going to be fired. If I speak up about what I need at work or my mental distress, I'm going to be fired and that's going to be the end. And sometimes it's just an assumption. So I think it's part of human fear and it's normal. And it's part of being compassionate with ourselves and say, okay, my needs are important. I want to, to speak for them. So that's really the, the trend that, that I see more and more. Yeah, that's very insightful. Thank you. And let me come back to something you mentioned right now and also earlier, which is uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. So my question is, you know, you just spoke about remote burnout, but have you observed some other aspects in your coaching practice or also with students that was not there before the pandemic and that you have to deal with perhaps more or even for the first time, I would say, that you hadn't to deal with before the the pandemic? Well, in general, I think a general digital fatigue and general confuse about how to organize oneself 
for example, between house chores and also hobbies, which was something also that before probably was not the, the question before, because if you go out, maybe you combine your, your chores and your hobby with work, right? Maybe going to the gym or, uh, or doing your favorite hobby right after work. That didn't seem to be uh, of a, a stronger issue, if you will. So self-care was still an issue, but now it's even worse because we're home. So how do I create a time and a space for my hobby or for my favorite activities or to learn something new? Also because I'm learning it on the computer. So I really see that also at the same time, some difficulties in the communication aspect, as I said before. So for sure, some digital fatigues and some communication challenges. And again, the boundaries, right? So how do I place boundaries if I'm home? Do I even put them or does it mean that I'm... So boundaries in, uh, in times of confinement are there like realistic and I always tell my client yes they are because we still need to protect ourselves when from too much of something right we still need to organize our day so this hasn't changed so boundaries doesn't mean division it means protection it means healthy communication and it means actually more freedom this is something that I really noticed there was now the topic with the pandemic and I'm helping the clients accompany to sort those things through through better communication and a few other other tips on uh, on mental well-being. I have one more question, a bit more out of curiosity. Earlier, you mentioned that with your program and the school that you want to put in place, you also include a lot of the neuroscience that is behind all the mental well-being. So do you collaborate with the researchers or scientists who are active in that field to put in place your program? So I do have a great contact at the University of Zurich, who is also a friend of mine, who has helped through some, uh, some articles to really like uh, looking into a little bit what is assertiveness, how it is used around the world, because, you know, it's not so frequent, so... so uh, why you say easy to find articles on this specific terminology, because if you use other terminology, for example, boundaries or self-care probably is easier, but the terminology assertiveness sometimes is a bit difficult. This is why I think it's not so easy to find, but I do have a few contacts that really help me navigate this. I really believe in cooperation. I love when, when people help each other from different walks of lives and in different industries. I'm learning a lot from those people. Fantastic. I couldn't agree more. So now, before we move to the last part of the show, I'd like to give you the opportunity to share with our listeners anything else that you think is relevant on this topic, you know, around self-esteem, self-care and mental well-being that you think is important for our listeners to know about that we haven't mentioned up until this point in our discussion. So just go ahead. I think that one very, very important message for me is always remember that self-care is not a luxury, is a habit, is a need, and it will inform everything that you do. It will inform your communication, your uh, assertiveness or, or lack thereof. Everything you do is connected to your self-love, is connected to your self-image, and it's just too important. So I want to repeat it really, self-care is a luxury, is a need. And uh, whenever you're doing something related to, to self-care, imagine really if, 
like a not only like a body spa but a mental spa <laughs> this is why i actually um in occasion like of the future world uh, health day 2021 i will repeat something called mental spa i thought that mental well-being spa it's is a concept that is really cool i love the analogy because i love going to the spa uh, and um, if you would imagine that self-care would be like going to a massage but like a massage for your mind right or any other analogy of a hot tub or whatever would you do it more frequently totally right if we could just change the way we look into self-care i think it would be it would be a big game changer that's really amazing i really love the mental spa concept It's such a great idea. It makes sense. And it's an easy way to remember that and make sure that we don't forget to take care of our minds as much as we take care of our, of our bodies. Yeah. Thank you for that. Absolutely. So, Alessandra, now at the end of my show, what I like to do is to get a sneak preview into what my guests are reading or what music that they're listening to. Are you ready for my three quick questions? I am ready. <laughs> okay, let's go. Question number one. What song are you listening to nonstop these days? Or in case you don't listen too much to music, what book are you reading right now? Okay, I do both. I'm uh, listening in an obsessive almost way to the song by The Weeknd, which is called In Your Eyes. I just love the rhythm too much. It reminds me of the 80s or something. I really love it. It just makes me passionate. So The Weeknd. And uh, I'm also reading two books at the time because I'm this kind of avid reader. So I'm reading, uh, it's called Genius Foods, like about nutrition and, uh, and mental well-being. This is one book. And the second book is called The Body Keeps the Score because I'm very much interested about the topic of trauma and how to Uh, to find solution and uh, like body healing. So it's also a very interesting reading. Question number two, is there an artist or a song or perhaps even a book that has particularly resonated with you at a specific time in your life? Yes. So there is a book uh, that really resonated with me when I uh, arrived in Switzerland. It's basically the, the romantic love story of two Indians, one from the north and one from the south, and it's written by Chetan Bhagat, which is one of my favorite writers, actually. It really helped me because when I first arrived here, I really found a lot of comfort in the different, so in the diversity of, of culture that it's here in Zurich. So I made friends with an Indian um, guy and uh, also with other thousand cultures, and he kept telling me about this this book so i really recommend the book two states and there is also a movie that they did on netflix so i think it really resonated with me 11 years ago when i arrived here i identify a lot um with him actually a little bit of the the, the drama like of the italian culture i really identify with that both drama and also irony i think that irony And, uh, and fun is a way that helps me really cope with myself when I take myself too seriously. And I know I'm starting to stress out or exaggerate with something. I love to go back to that book and, and have a good laugh and, uh, and absorb a little bit of the romantic aspect. Sounds really nice. Yeah. Third and last question. What is your all-time favorite album or your all-time favorite book that you would absolutely recommend? Can I recommend three? <laughs> Of course, you can recommend three. <laughs> I'm sorry, I told you I'm a big talker. So um, Bohemian Rhapsody, the song by the Queen, really, I don't know, keeps me going every time. So 
listen to it. I recommend. I recommend people to look into if they lo uh, love Latin music. I recommend bachata music. Somebody called Romeo Santos, who is my favorite. You know, uh, the Aventura group was like world uh, wide known, and now he's singing solo for a while, and I really really helps my mood. A book that I absolutely recommend is Man's Search of Meaning. Uh, my husband gave it to me as a present, and I really really enjoyed it. It has just so much um, history to it and really it's just so touching. Maybe a fourth one, very, very, very quick one to read about digital world is digital etiquette. And I'm done, I promise. Great. Thank you so much, Alexandra, for all these recommendations. I can see that you're very passionate about the music and also some of the books. Yes, I am. Thank you really for listening. Appreciate it was really, really great. I learned a lot. As I said before, I took many notes. I hope that we will stay in touch. And of course, I wish you much success, especially with your assertiveness school that you just launched. Thank you. And, and thank you for sharing your experience today with me. It was really amazing. Thanks again. And we will stay in touch. And uh, thank you, Claire, for, for this. And big hug to everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. That was episode 9, a conversation with Alessandra Patti. Alessandra has such an amazing positive energy. She has beautifully drawn from her personal experience to inspire and support others to learn. In case you wish to dive a bit deeper into Alessandra's work, her coaching practice has a YouTube channel and you can easily subscribe to it. You can also have a look at the book titled Activate Your Life, which Alessandra co-authored. This book is a collection of 50 transformational exercises from top coaches around the world. The link to this book, the YouTube channel, plus additional links on references from our conversation are listed on the podcast page. You certainly have the page bookmarked by now, but if you don't, simply type in your browser narratives-of-purpose.podcastpage.io and click on this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in today and listening to this new episode. I really appreciate you taking the time. Make sure you follow us on social media, either LinkedIn, Instagram or Twitter to get timely updates. Tune in again in April for our two last episodes of season one. Until then, take care of yourselves, stay well and as always, stay inspired.